appreciate that. First Thessalonians chapter number one this morning. First Thessalonians. It's a fun book to say, right? Thessalonians chapter one. And uh, let's all stand when you find yourself there for the out of respect for God's word. We'll read ten verses together, the whole first chapter. And uh, we're going to hone in on verse number three, just to give you a heads up on this. I'm going to look at the three vital signs of a healthy church. Vital signs of a healthy church. Read with me, if you would, all the verses out loud together. And let's really project this morning and really uh, say these verses with all of our might, thinking about what they are saying to us. First Thessalonians 1, verse 1. Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus under the church at Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. Remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God and our Father. Knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction, with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that ye were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to Godward is spread abroad, so that we need not speak anything. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for the Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Amen. Praise God. We're delivered from the wrath to come. And uh, looking forward to the Lord's return. Amen. And that's what Paul's conveying here. And I'll get into the message here in just a moment, but let's pray together. Lord, I do pray that you bless the reading of your word. I ask that you would help us to uh, see the, uh, uh, the, the good church here in Thessalonica and uh, these people who uh, Paul commended. And I do pray that you'd help us to realize that there are signs. There, are, there is a test there are things to look for in a healthy church. Lord, may you help us to uh, contribute to the health of this congregation in Milwaukee and uh, to also the body of Christ at large throughout the world. I do pray that you would bless all that is said and done in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated this morning. Thank you. And uh, bear with me today. I found my glasses, praise the Lord, but I forgot them at home. And uh, just to give you a kind of an insight on what's going on in my life a little bit, I don't always share a lot of these things. And uh, Lord, forgive me if, you know, I should probably share more of these things, and you probably wish I did uh, with prayer time and things. But uh, many of you know I'm still in school, finishing up my master's degree. One week from today, I will be finished with a master's degree. And there's, this is crunch time. I've got a paper due this week. And I've been trying to get ahead on my schoolwork. And uh, many times it's hard for me. I get writer's block once in a while. And it gets hard for me to do schoolwork. 
But uh, after I finished the sermon for today, I, I was inspired and kept on working on schoolwork and um, sat there at my desk last night and worked till early this morning and left my glasses at home. So it's even that much more difficult, but also uh, working on a little bit of sleep today. And I, Lord, forgive me for that because I want to be fresh and have as much energy as I can on Sunday morning. And I would encourage you to do the same. I don't stay up late usually on Saturday night. We don't do a lot of activities on Saturday night. I come to birthday parties and things like that, and I know that's for your family. That's the only time you can do it, and I understand that. But typically, I try to guard Saturday night and Sunday morning. But God's gracious. He'll, he'll give us uh, what we need this morning. I'm looking forward to preaching this message. This is going to be a good uh, insight, I believe, into the Word of God. And uh, so, But understand, I'm struggling because I can't see some of these things here today, and it's hard for me. But um, we're going to be okay. And you listen well, and uh, it'll be fine. So I want to just give you an insight about the Apostle Paul here. On his second missionary journey, uh, he went to plant churches. He takes along with him Silas, or Silvanus, as it says there in verse 1, and Timotheus, or Timothy. And um, in Acts 16, we could read that Paul uh, wanted to continue his journey into Asia Minor, or what is modern-day Turkey. But the Holy Spirit said, no, don't go. He stopped them. In Troas, Paul uh, spent the night there and had a vision. uh, And uh, it was a man in this vision calling to them, beckoning them to come over into Macedonia. And so Paul, led of the Holy Spirit, uh, goes to Macedonia. The first place they go is Philippi. There they are thrown into jail. If you remember Paul and Silas in the jail of Philippi. But God does a wondrous work there in that city. They then go to Thessalonica, the place that we're reading about now, this letter that was written to the Thessalonians from the town of Corinth later on. Uh, but Paul had established a group there of Christians. And, um, but in Thessalonica, they have great persecution there too. They end up in Corinth and stay for a year and a half. And so Paul has great concern for the places he's been to. He has uh, he's an evangelist, he's a missionary, but he also has that kind of that pastor's heart. As we see the different epistles, he's writing to these folks, and, uh, and he's concerned with their needs. And so in Corinth, he's, he sends Timothy back to Thessalonica, and he says, go back there and find out how they're doing, because the church was established under great affliction. Uh, they had been persecuted by the Romans and the Jews. And by the way, uh, uh, Timothy goes back, and, uh, and he comes back to Paul uh, with... Uh, you know, understanding that there have been persecutions, some minor issues in the church, but overall he gave Paul a good report about Thessalonians. Uh, in First Thessalonians 1 and 2, uh, we see that uh, he starts off with his letter here uh, to them. He says, grace be unto you, in verse number 1, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. We see that Paul, when he speaks to them, he, he's praying and he says, we thank God for you. When you pray, don't just ask, ask, ask. Start with thanksgiving. We see that when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he said, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He begins with, uh, with praise to God and uh, in full reverence to the Lord. 
And uh, we see that Paul comes to God on behalf of the Thessalonians with thanksgiving. He's thankful for their memory. And uh, many times our prayers can become very dry when all we do is just ask, ask, ask. But we come to God and, and uh, we come with full uh, respect and adoration and uh, thank Him for His goodness to us. And there's always something we can thank God for, amen? There's always something we can thank God for. And uh, I, I see a common symptom among those that are very, uh, that, that, that those that lack joy. There's a common denominator, and that is they are not thankful. When you are thankful, you automatically become joyful. You know, we, when we have the Lord Jesus Christ in our life, there's nothing that uh, we should be uh, down about, really. Yes, there's things that can discourage us, but we need to just, in that moment, go back to the Lord Jesus Christ and say, thank you for all that you do. And when we count our blessings, we should name them uh, not just one by one or not by two by two, but ten by ten because there's more than one or two or three blessings in our life. God has blessed all of us so much. You might be saying, Pastor, you don't know my situation. You don't know about my health condition. But God has given to all of us so much there's always something we can be thankful to Him for. And by the way, if you're still breathing this morning, God has a purpose for your life. So don't ever think that God is done with you. Uh, by the way, we can put ourselves on the shelf in a sense. We could, uh, we could put ourselves out of the ministry, but thank God for His faithfulness and, and his, just, uh, his, his forgiveness. As the Bible says, that He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. But the, uh, the, uh, the thing that we need to do is we need to confess. And uh, it says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. God's always willing. We're the ones that have to come back to him. When we get out of sorts and we get into sin and we get into uh, areas of our life that uh, we, we put ourselves out of his, his uh, uh, perfect will, uh, we need to come back to him. And, but he's always willing to put us back into the ministry and put us back into a place of service. And uh, as long as you're breathing, God has a purpose for your life. Don't ever doubt that. And so we need to be thankful for all that he's done. Verse number three, Paul says, remembering without ceasing your work of faith. And this is our text today. Your work of faith. The first vital sign of a healthy church is works produced by faith. Works produce by faith. This did not mean that their works produced faith, but rather their faith produced works. Their work proved that they had faith. Uh, when the Thessalonian Christians got saved, they stopped doing the things they used to do. They stopped worshiping idols and they began to worship the true God. Uh, they changed. That's what works are. Works are a product of, of, of faith. Faith uh, true faith coming into our life. When we get saved from our sin and the Holy Spirit moves in, He will begin to produce things in our life that will begin to show on the outside. There are changes that are made. The Bible tells us in Galatians 5 that the Holy Spirit produces fruit and the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. And uh, th th those are things that God produces in our life. Those aren't things that uh, we could just make up. Of course, there's a lot of people that have a lot of, uh, of works in their life and they have a lot of good things that they do, but true fruit lasts and true fruit cannot be put on. Uh, people really know when you have got the true faith in your life, when you have the Lord Jesus Christ and when you're submitting to Him, it does produce something and it is visible on the outside. And uh, uh, so when they got saved, 
they, they began to sing praises to the Lord instead of worshiping idols. Where there they used to be fellish, uh, 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 the selfish, they began to take the gospel to other people. Uh, they began to, uh, to go and, 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 and serve the Lord. The Bible tells us that. That they went out and, and they reached other people. Verses 6 through 9, we'll read it in a minute, but you'll see that. Where they used to lie, now they're out preaching the truth. Uh, where they used to um, <clears throat> uh, steal, now they're giving to the needy. Where they used to get drunk, now these Thessalonian Christians, they're providing for their families. The first vital sign of a healthy church is works produced by faith. A healthy church is a church full of changed lives. Amen? Praise God for that. And uh, we need to continually seek God for change in our life. Uh, uh, changing one or two things uh, on the first week of your salvation is not enough when you've been saved for a year or two years or three years. It's a continual work. Praise God that when we're in Christ, we're a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become or becoming new. It's a gradual process, a continual process. Salvation is a one-time experience, a one-time event. But sanctification post-salvation is works continually produced in our life. Changes continually happening in our life. We're becoming a new creation in Christ Jesus. Praise God uh, for that. And uh, so uh, they, uh, James, if you read the book of James, we don't have time to turn there, but James said faith without works is dead. Faith that doesn't produce change is not true faith. It's not God's kind of faith. Someone who has faith, uh, you'll see changes in their life. They're not perfect, but they've changed. Amen. Uh, verses 6 and 9, we see here, uh, uh, verses 4 through 6, we'll look first, uh, and, and then verse 9. Verse 4, knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power, and in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance, as ye know what manner of men ye were or we were among you for your sake. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Ghost. See, when they got saved, they got saved in a persecuted situation. Uh, there was a lot of uh, pushback uh, to this establishment of a new church. Verse 9, For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how ye turned to God from idols to serve the true and living God. There was change in their lives when they got saved. And it wasn't a fake uh, situation, because who in the world would get saved, or would pretend to get saved, and, uh, and, 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 and do that, pretend to get saved, if they're really not coming to God, why would you do that in a persecution situation? Uh, true uh, salvation uh, or, or persecution, I should say. Persecution, when it comes to the church, many times you start to see uh, true converts. You start to see people that are, are, are coming to God and, 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 and they're doing it not out of convenience, but because it's, it's, it's a real thing. It's a real event happening in their life. They're coming to God. Uh, when it's not easy, that's when you see the true believers, uh, not the fake Christianity that we see all around us right now. There's a lot of people that are Christians out of convenience. Maybe it's because they want to put their kids in good schools, so they become a Christian. Maybe they want to get married to their, their sweetheart, so they become a Christian. 
But when persecution comes, that's when you really see who it is that wants to truly follow God and follow Jesus Christ as a true disciple. Uh, that's where we see the, 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 the fake uh, separated from what is sincere. And so uh, these churches are filled with people uh, today. There are churches filled with people that come and they quote-unquote worship God. They're praising God. But their life during the rest of the week does not match up with what they're preaching and singing on Sunday. And uh, they, uh, uh, they're still sleeping around. They're still stealing. They're doing all the things they've always done. There's no change. Hey, they have Jesus, but it's not the Jesus of this Bible. It's a fake Christianity. There's Christians uh, who have made a lot of outward changes even, but they haven't changed a bit on the inside. There's all kinds of people across that spectrum of those that have the look but don't have the faith. And uh, those that say they have the faith, but they don't have the change. Amen. And a real faith produces a life with lasting changes that are evident to all people. So a healthy church is a church filled with people that have changed lives. Secondly, this morning, uh, the second vital sign of a healthy church is labor. Labor. Look at verse 3 again. He says, I remember with ce- without ceasing your work of faith and also your labor of of love, labor of love. A healthy church uh, has labor promoted, or I'm sorry, prompted by love. Labor of love. Uh, they were exerting themselves to the point of exhaustion. Uh, they were willing to roll up their sleeves and work through stuff together. They were there helping one another. And you see in the early church, especially in Jerusalem, we read a lot about their beginnings. And how that they came together and they had all things in common. They cared for one another. They loved one another. They labored uh, together for the work of God. The Christians at Thessalonica preached the gospel in their town in spite of the persecution that was there. And, uh, and their influence spread. And it was felt in all of Macedonia and Achaia. If you see there uh, in verse number 8. From you, Paul says, sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place, your faith to Godward is spread abroad so that we need not speak anything. Hey, there was a great work done in Thessalonica, but it was the Holy Spirit that did it. Paul and Timothy and Silas, they were used of the Lord to do something there, but the Holy Spirit had begun a wondrous work in this church. And it had spread to not just Macedonia and Achaia, but other places. But essentially, it was all of Greece. Macedonia and Achaia. There was two major provinces in Greece, and it had spread across that whole place. It's, a, it's just amazing how that Paul wanted to go certain places, but the Holy Spirit said, no, you need to go up to Macedonia. And sometimes we question God. Why in the world, God, would you send me here? Why would you leave me there? And especially when they go up to Macedonia and they face persecution, Paul and Silas get thrown into jail. Many times we, we begin to question God in our own life, and sometimes we question the work of God in other people's lives because of the opposition they might be receiving. But God was doing a work in Philippi. He did a work in Thessalonica. And we see that, hey, he might have been able to go other places and do other things and just ignored the Holy Spirit. But there was people they would not have reached in those places. But ultimately, the work that they did there spread 
to other parts of the world. Maybe Paul would have never gotten to. That's amazing. It's awesome to see what God does. He says that uh, it, it's in every place your faith that God were to spread abroad, verse 8. We see that the labor of love in this church, the labor of love, their love for the lost was evident in how they preached the gospel everywhere they want. There's different kinds of love, but we see eris love in the Greek and phileo love. The word love in English is actually four different Greek words. We only get one word for four different Greek words. The perfect love that God has for us that we find in John 3, 16. For God, you can quote this with me, for God so, what's the next word? Agape. For God so loved the world. Agape love is the perfect, the best form of love that there could be. Uh, Phileo love, we hear uh, of Philadelphia, it's the city of brotherly love. Phileo love is, is that kind of uh, love that we'd have f- for someone, or heiress, or phileo. Love that we'd have for someone because of attributes we see in, in them, things that we like about them, or familial things, because they're family, we love them. Because they're like us, we love them. But you know, there's a lot of people that are not like us, and we do not naturally love them. But we can agape them. We can choose to love them in spite of what they've done, in spite of who they are. I'm so thankful that God loves us in spite of what we've done and in spite of who we are. Their love for the lost was evident because of what they did and where they went. 1 John 3.18, you can see it up there on the screen. 1 John chapter 3.18. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Hey, it's one thing to tell somebody you love them. Oh, I love you so much. Oh, you're my best friend in all the world. You're my buddy. And uh, as soon as things get difficult, we're nowhere to be found. Or maybe people say that to us. Oh, we'll never leave you. We'll never forsake you. But where are they when times get tough? You know, you find out who your real friends are when you go through hardships in life. Amen? Uh, the Bible tells us also in John 13, 35, that, um, they'll put that up on the screen next there. John 13, 35, you don't need to turn there. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples. If, there's another one of those if words, <laughs> that means it depends on us. This shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one for another. And that's why I love the local church. You know, there's over 50 one another commands in the Bible. And it's hard to one another when you're uh, not in the assembly. And we really learned about this during COVID when we were away from one another. And we were not meeting or assembling together on a weekly basis. But I, I would also submit to you, my friend, that church is more than just church on Sunday. There are opportunities throughout the week where we meet together, but also there are definite needs in every life in this church. There are people that are, are here to edify, and, and, and we all should contribute to the church and edify the body. But also there are times where we are hurting, and we need the church. We need the whole body to come and help us. And uh, when you stub your toe, uh, the rest of your body comes and it helps your toe, amen? And uh, you're, you're, uh, you're reacting to something that is hurting. 
And when a part of the body is hurting, we should all come together. And, and part of coming together is, is knowing that there is a need. Partly that is on us who are in need to uh, share our burdens and share our needs with the church body. But also as the church body, we do have a responsibility to one another to be aware that, hey, there is a situation that somebody is dealing with something. They're going through a hard time and we should be uh, prompted and allowed by the Holy Spirit and, and allow the Holy Spirit to work through us as a channel of blessing to help that person that's going through hard times. And uh, we need to be aware of what's going on. And that is by listening and communicating and being, a pre- being present when the church assembles. Amen? And, and, and being in communication with those around us. And asking God to give us a heart and a love for, uh, for other people. You know, even within this church, there are people that we would maybe not normally associate with real closely just because we don't have as much in common. But praise God for the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the the common denominator. He is the one that brings us all together. We see in this church of Thessalonica, in Thessalonica, that they had uh, Jews and Gentiles. They had all kinds of different people. They had uh, people that were uh, not like one another, and they would not normally maybe be close associates. But God brings everyone together. Praise God for that. But the second vital sign of a healthy church is labor prompted by love. Love. Love that is not only expressed in words, but is seen in actions. It's more than uh, just saying, I love you, brother. I'll pray for you, brother. But truly being there and meeting the need when we can by the grace of God. Number three, we see there in verse number three again. Go with me, First Thessalonians 1 verse 3. We see that not only is a work of faith, a labor of love, but patience of hope, our hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. The third vital sign of a healthy church is endurance inspired by hope. Hope. And praise God, we have hope. We have hope of eternal salvation. Looking forward to being saved. Uh, we have our salvation realized. You know, I was saved from the penalty of my sin, praise God. And currently in, in my sanctification, I'm being saved by the power of my sin. But someday we all, when we, when we get out of this body, this body is laid in the grave, or we're caught up together to meet the Lord, we will be saved from the presence of our sin. That is the full realization of all that is promised to us. That is hope. Our hope, our, our complete hope in Jesus Christ. Our hope is not in man. Our hope is not in government. I hope that your hope is not in the government today because there is no hope in the government. Our hope is not in, in, in anybody but the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one that will save us and, and will meet that need. But I'm looking forward to uh, meeting him in heaven. The third vital sign of a healthy church is endurance inspired by hope. That is not quitting. There are many churches that have quit. Oh, they might be assembling and, and be present with one another, but they've quit. They've quit. They've left uh, what God called them us all to do and what God called them to do, but called us to do in the first place. They've got their eyes on other things, and their hearts are captivated by other things. But Paul taught the Thessalonians that Christ had not only come once, but he was coming back. If you want to read in the New Testament uh, of of the Lord's return, and uh, hear what Paul has to say, read the book of First and Second Thessalonians. Paul was teaching them, the Lord didn't just come once, he's coming back a second time. Praise God for that. He's returning. He's not coming to die on a cross like he did the first time. He's coming back to settle everything. God will settle every account someday. You might be wondering, 
Uh, why in the world doesn't God handle this situation? Why doesn't God deal with that wickedness? Why doesn't God uh, uh, fix all of the problems in this world? You know why? First of all, because God is merciful. If God fixed all of the heinous crimes and sins that are going on in the world, he'd have to come to us because of his righteous uh, character and his holiness. He'd have to come and deal with us too. And we don't think we're that bad, but uh, one sin sends us all to hell. Our sin nature, we're born with that thing. Uh, we deserve to go to hell. Because of one man's sin, Romans 5, death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. There's none righteous, no, not one. Don't ever try to put yourself in the camp of the righteous until you've come by the way of the cross. It's through Jesus Christ that we receive forgiveness of sins. And it's his righteousness. His righteousness. But praise God for his mercy. He's giving the world the opportunity to receive salvation. And he's long-suffering to us. Now, don't, uh, don't confuse that. Peter says, don't confuse God's long-suffering with that. He's forgotten about us, and he's not going to deal with this, with this uh, problem of sin. And he's going to judge the world. He will be judging the world uh, finally at some point. Uh, and he's coming back to do that. He's going to settle all of the, the accounts and all the God-haters, all the people that are mocking him right now, they will be wishing they had never done that. The Bible says that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. There's not going to be any escaping that. There's not going to be any opting out. Every tongue, every knee, Jesus Christ will take care of it at some point. And that is something we can mark down. We can take that to the bank. It is for sure. He is coming back. All things that make us say that, oh, that's not right. How could God let that happen? It'll all be taken care of. It will all be made right. All that we do, all of the pain, all the things that we go through, all of the trials that we uh, endure, Jesus will have a reward for you someday. We read about that in uh, 1 Corinthians 3 last week. Jesus will be repaying or rewarding, let's put it that way. He will be rewarding those that are faithful. And God puts a premium on faithfulness. Sometimes we think, well, I'm not that talented. I'm not that gifted. But God will not be judging our work on the basis of somebody else's gifting. God deals with us as individuals. And God will reward us, but he is looking for faithfulness because his reward is when he when he gives out his reward remember he says well done thou good and faithful servant faithfulness is so important but all that we endure in this lifetime it will not be forgotten jesus will have a reward for you first thessalonians chapter five go with me a few pages back first thessalonians five verse two He says, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. You know, a thief doesn't give you usually, give you a heads up that he's coming to rob your house. He doesn't text you the week before and say, hey, by the way, next Sunday uh, at 1130, I'm going to be robbing your house while you're at Souls Harbor Baptist Church. And you don't get a heads up. The thief comes suddenly and without warning. 
The Bible tells us the Lord will return in that manner. He came the first time, yes, with a lot of prophecy about His coming, but there was a lot of people asleep, and they were not paying attention and looking for His first coming. But sadly, many are not looking for a second coming. They're not prepared, let's put it that way. We don't know when it will be, and we shouldn't set dates. If somebody's setting a date for the Lord's return, that just tells you they're not prepared for the Lord's coming. They're really not prepared, because they're banking on that date. What if he came before then? They're not prepared for the Lord's coming, amen? Because he could come at any moment. So we see that the Lord will uh, come as a thief in the night. Uh, Verse number 8, chapter 5, the Bible says, But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate. And we see these three things again here, faith, love, and hope. Put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. We see that three other places in the Bible. If you know uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the last verse in that chapter says, And uh, now abide of faith, hope, and charity. And the, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. That's the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. And, uh, and so if, if you want to know where the love chapter in the Bible is, just mark down 1 Corinthians 13. It's all about God's love and the love that we should have for others. But we see here that Paul says to them uh, that uh, we should be ready. We, we know that uh, the Lord's coming back. We have insight on that. We know it's coming. Verse 9, for God hath not appointed us to wrath. And, and I believe that to mean that not just that we're not going to spend eternity in hell, praise God for that, but we're not going to go through the great tribulation. He didn't appoint us to go through that. The church uh, is going through trial and tribulation right now, but someday we will be raptured out of this world so that God can deal with uh, mainly the Jewish people, but the rest of the world. And he's going to bring down wrath upon this world. Uh, But he says, God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, whether we're alive or dead, we should live together with him. And praise God, there is hope beyond the grave. Those that are buried in the ground right now will be resurrected to be with the Lord someday. He said, whether we uh, are awake or are asleep, we should all, essentially is what he's saying that we should live together with him. He says in verse 11, Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as ye also do. He's commending them there. He said, I know you're doing this, but keep going. Stay faithful. Keep going. Don't give up. Hey, uh, endurance that is prompted by or inspired by hope. Hope is what keeps us going. If there was no end in sight, we would lose hope. But there is a day coming where all accounts will be settled. The Lord Jesus will come back. And, and someday he will uh, move into Jerusalem and sit on David's throne. And he will rule and reign for a thousand years. And praise God for that. But we all have hope today. It's not just in, well, I hope that the government gets it together. I hope that we get our next stimulus check. I hope that this happens. I hope that happens. I hope they extend unemployment. Our hope is not in this world. Our hope is not found here on earth. Praise God, our hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's where our heart should be. And we can endure in the Christian walk uh, because we do have hope. We have hope. Let's not change what we believe to uh, fit in and and to make our life easier and to uh, avoid persecution. Hey, uh, the churches 2,000 years ago were facing great persecution, but they were commended because they kept going. He said, you are doing the right thing. Just keep it up. 
more of it, more of the same, amen? Just keep on keeping on. And uh, let the world laugh, because they're not going to be mocking the Lord Jesus Christ forever. They're not going to be mocking his disciples forever. Uh, Let's not live in sin. Let's not let our garments get dirty. Jesus is coming back. And I reason, the reason probably they didn't tell us when he's coming is so that we don't procrastinate because that is human nature. Many people will put off till the, their deathbed uh, to come and receive Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. But many of those that put it off till their deathbed uh, did not receive Jesus Christ or will not receive him because they do not know when their last hour will be. We don't know when our last breath will be in this world. But also we don't know when the Lord's coming back. And so uh, his admonition is to just keep on going. Be faithful to the end. Keep on Keeping on. Amen. A, 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 a healthy church is one that has changed lives in that church. It's filled with changed people. A healthy church is marked by love. This shall all people know that ye are my disciples, that ye have love one for another. How much love do you have for those in, just in your pew? How about somebody across the way? How about somebody in this church who might not be here today? How much love do we have for them? And love is not just something we say, it's something we do. It's an action. It produces actions. Just like faith. Faith, true faith, produces works. True love produces labor. We see thirdly that a healthy church is marked by endurance inspired by hope. How much hope do you have today? How, uh, some of us are, are giving up. There are some here that are giving up. They may not say that. They may not indicate it in any way to anyone in this church, but they're giving up. And they might, not, they might believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, they're truly saved, but they're really giving up on the Christian race. Get into the Word of God. Find your inspiration there. But don't forget, the Holy Spirit indwells you, and He is with us. The Lord Jesus Christ said, I'm with you until the end of the age, until the end of this world. I'm here with you. Don't, don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. I didn't leave you without any uh, hope. You have the Holy Spirit, but we have all kinds of inspiration in the Bible. Paul says, looking unto Jesus, he's the author, he's the finisher of our faith. And uh, he, uh, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He, He laid it all down. He went through great tribulation. Don't think that you somehow are the, uh, the only person that has gone through difficulty and faced persecution for the Lord Jesus Christ. Get your inspiration from Jesus and from others and from the Bible and, and, and from the Holy Spirit who dwells inside of us. Praise God for that. And we can't give up. We can't change to fit in. Let's not uh, live in sin. Let's, let's keep ourselves as a pure church because someday we are going to be presented to the Lord Jesus Christ, His bride. 
And we should not be ashamed. We should seek to not be ashamed before him. To know I gave everything I had. You know, as they say in sports, I left it all out on the court or I left it all out on the field. I mean, you you didn't keep anything back. There was nothing left in reserve. You might be saying, well, I need some in reserve because I don't have much left and I need to hold on to that. That's naturally what we do. But you know, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ deserves everything. And when we run dry, guess what? We don't have to worry. We always have some in reserve. The Holy Spirit is there to help us. As we were looking in our Sunday school class just for a minute today, Brother Scott mentioned, there hath no temptation taken you, but but such as is common to man. With the temptation, he'll always give us a way out, a way of escape. In the hard times and the difficulties and the trials that God does allow us to go through, don't think that somehow we did something. Sometimes we, we, we start questioning. We say, what in the world did I do to deserve this? Well, what you did to deserve it was that you received salvation by the Lord Jesus Christ, and he wants the best for you. He wants the best for you. You say, well, how, how would I get the best when I'm going through the worst? Because the worst trials that we will endure Many times, God is using those trials to produce in us something beautiful. The Bible says in Romans 8 that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Uh, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate that we should be conformed to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. The purpose of the hardships and the difficulties and and all of the, the, the pain and agony that we can endure, and we do endure that sometimes. But all of that is to produce something beautiful in our lives. Don't second guess the Lord. Just keep with him. Just keep on keeping on. Endurance. Endurance is so important, but it has to be inspired by something. And that is hope. Keep your hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't put your hope in the preacher because preachers will let you down. Men always let us down. And they might not do something horrible, but they're going to do something that will let us down. The Lord Jesus Christ will never, ever let you down. Get your eyes off of man. Like Isaiah, when King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. When, when that person that we think is so important is taken out of the way, sometimes it's what the Lord has to do so that we get our eyes where they need to be. Not because God is, uh, God is cruel, but because that is what's best. That is what's best. That's when we reach our full potential. That's when we, uh, we, we soar to new heights as a Christian. When we get our eyes on the Lord. We stop settling for the second best and stop settling for man's best. And we take what's, what is God's best. He is the ultimate coach. Jesus Christ, the perfect The perfect Son of God is who we should put our eyes on. Let's stand and pray as we close the word of prayer. Think about these vital signs of a healthy church. Are you living? Are you awake? Are you breathing? Is your heart beating tonight? Is there any brain function? We wonder that about the church sometimes. The vital signs of a healthy church. Are there works? Is there changed lives? Is there love in this place? Is there love? If, there's not, if we're part of that problem, let's confess that to the Lord and, and get things right with others. But also, are we giving up? Are we quitting? Now, maybe it's because we got our eyes on man or we started, being, um, we started feeling sorry for ourselves. We got maybe some bitterness, some issues there. We need to ask God for, for grace and say, God, please uh, help me. Help me, I need grace so that root of bitterness doesn't keep coming back. God, I need your help. Because I'm, I, 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 I want to quit. 
Praise God, God will help you. Get your eyes off of man. Get your eyes off yourself and your circumstances. It's so easy in this country to become a victim because we're being told constantly, we're, we're a victim, we're a victim. But no, we're not. We're, we're not victims, we're victors through the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, we're more than conquerors through him. And so let's get our eyes on the Lord. Let's do that. Let, let's not live in this, this uh, depressing uh, mindset of, of, of self-centered humanism. Get our eyes on the Lord. Praise God. Let's pray. Lord, I do pray that you bless this day. Help us as we ask uh, here for this church to be a, a Christ-centered place, a Christ-centered church with Christ-focused Christians. Because we're disciples of you. We're not some man-made disciple. Lord, we're supposed to be following you and your word and, and <clears throat> the cause of Christ, which is the gospel. Help us, Lord. Get our eyes off ourselves. Get our eyes on you, but also on others. Love, labor of love, but also, then lastly, ourselves. May you do a work, continue to do a work in our life. Thank you for the work that you started, and you promised to continue, but we have to submit to you. Uh, You cannot change us if we don't have a will to be changed. And Lord, help us to uh, confess that sin, our self-willed spirit. Lord, help us to sow to the the spirit and not to the flesh today. And uh, Lord, produce those works in our life. May we change, may we grow. Uh, God, uh, so many times we focus so much as a church on, on numerical growth, but yet we're, we're not really doing ourselves a service just by adding people to a, a, a number uh, if that number is not right with you. Lord, help us to have revival in this place, and starting with myself and, uh, and, and all of us to have that spirit of uh, a desiring to have revival, living every day for you, Jesus. And I pray that you would work in a special way. In Jesus' name, amen.